You're listening to a Stranger podcast. www.thestranger.com. If you're stuck in a relationship quandary, or if you're looking for sexual harmony, well, there's nothing you can't ask on the Savage Podcast. We're going to begin this week's show with uh, one happy note. Um, tomorrow night in Seattle, if you're listening to the sound of my voice and you're in Seattle, Savage Love Cast live at the Neptune Theater at 8 o'clock on Wednesday night. Me, the Tech Savvy at Risk Youth, Garfunkel and Oates are our musical guests and we will be recording a very special live and extended uh, two-hour Savage Love Cast. It's a fundraiser for Washington United for Marriage, the organization fighting to defend our new marriage equality law here in Washington State. 22 bucks. Uh, as of this recording, there's some tickets left. They may be sold out. We'll be doing rush tickets at the door if you want to show up and try your luck. So if you're in Seattle tomorrow night and you want to have some fun and you want to see the podcast happen before your eyes, join us at the Neptune Theater. Uh, a little down note before we get to your calls. The World Health Organization sent out a bulletin this week, last week, excuse me, letting us all know that gonorrhea – a drug-resistant strain of gonorrhea is spreading. It's a small problem at the moment that could become a much bigger problem. According to the CDC, in 2006, the prevalence – I'm quoting from a story at abcnews.com – the prevalence of resistance to this gonorrhea was 0.1 percent. But by the middle of 2011, that number had risen to 1.7 percent. So out of all the cases of gonorrhea, 1.7 percent are now this – increasingly drug-resistant strain. There is only one drug left uh, that can fight some strains of gonorrhea and there are no drugs in development or in the pipeline. And World Health Organization is calling on people all over the world to monitor this drug-resistant strain, to have themselves tested. A lot of people who have gonorrhea don't know they have gonorrhea. If you haven't gone in for a full STI screening in a long time, now might be a good time. And for uh, – health agencies and governments to get to work on new treatments for gonorrhea. Gonorrhea untreated or untreatable, as the case may unfortunately be soon, is very serious. You know, we've been talking about HIV for so long and talking about condoms for HIV to the exclusion of all other sexually transmitted infections that we can lose sight of the fact that other sexually transmitted infections can be just as fucking awful or maybe not quite as fucking awful but way the fuck up there. Gonorrhea. Untreated leads to infertility in many cases in both men and women, significant increased risk of HIV infection and transmission, etopic pregnancies, spontaneous abortions, stillbirths, premature deliveries, and severe eye infections in 30 to 50 percent of babies born to women with untreated gonorrhea, which can lead to blindness. Condoms are a very effective prevention measure. They can protect you very effectively against gonorrhea. So you should be using condoms. One of the problems, one of the ways we're getting these drug-resistant strains is people are going in because they have gonorrhea. They're getting the meds they need to treat it, self-medicating, and then not completing the course of antibiotics. And the bugs are developing resistance. And then those people who have drug-resistant uh, gonorrhea bugs uh, unknowingly not maliciously, go out there and then spread it around. If you are being treated for sexually transmitted infection, you need to complete your course of treatment. You need to take all your prescribed meds right through to the very end, not just until the symptoms have cleared up. Please remember that. Anyway, uh, that's the bad news. We all have to, when we're sexually active adults, weigh the risks 
against the rewards. We need to be cognizant of those risks. It has not yet been detected in the United States, but it has been detected in Australia, France, Japan, Norway, Sweden, and the United Kingdom, which means it shall be here in Canada and the United States soon if it's not here already. Be careful out there. Please use condoms correctly and consistently. There are a lot of people out there who use them consistently who do not use them correctly and condoms fail if they're not used consistently and correctly. Please go to plantparenthood.org and look at their very informative and complete fact sheet about condom use, correct condom use, which includes a video. It's very helpful. Your calls after this. ExtremeRestraints.com is the ultimate fetish store and so much more. No matter how vanilla or how kinky you are, Extreme Restraints carries toys for you. They've got huge selections of premium vibrators, bondage gear, fucking machines, cock jewelry, and more at great prices. Save an extra 10% with coupon code GGGJUNE. Double that discount if you use it by Sunday. Hi, Dan. I'm a 27-year-old, mostly straight woman, in a really great relationship with a 31-year-old straight guy. And our sex life is great. We're both really GGG. Um, and recently we started exploring anal and possibly some double penetration. Um, so in order to explore this, I purchased a butt plug and I've been incorporating it into some of my solo sessions, um, a la your advice. And I'm really enjoying the sensation of the butt plug. I love the orgasms that I'm having. My question is that the butt plug I have keeps popping out. And I don't know if I'm doing something wrong or if it's something with my anatomy or if I'm not using the right kind of plug or what. So, because it's kind of annoying, I, you know, I have to kind of hold it in there and the moment I start to relax or get close to orgasm, it just ejects <laughs> from my butt and that seems like it would be really a pain, especially once I start using it with my boyfriend. I would like it to be going a little bit more smoothly than that. So um, if you have any advice, I would really love to hear it. I don't really have anybody else to ask about this because most of my friends are really vanilla and I'm not really comfortable asking them about butt plugs. Ah, the old projectile butt plug problem. We've all been there. Here's the deal. When you stick a butt plug in your ass and you're, you know, you get hornier and hornier and hotter and hotter and you're approaching orgasms, all sorts of muscles begin to tighten up and contract. Uh, and your sphincters too and your ass too. It all kind of bears down as orgasm approaches. And the problem is that that can then shoot the butt plug right the fuck out of your ass and across the room. And here's the only solution to this problem. A bigger butt plug. Now, a lot of people, when they go butt plug shopping, they see the ones that are, you know, the mediums and they're go they freak out. Like, oh my God, that looks enormous because it looks like a lava lamp, like a small lava lamp. Narrow at the top, it gets wider, then it gets really narrow and then it flares out at the base. And, and instead of getting that medium butt plug, they opt for the one that looks like kind of a glorified finger, looks like a finger with a broken lower knuckle, not very flared at the base. And then... The problem is with that skinny butt plug that looks so safe and easy to get in your ass. Yeah, safe and easy to get in your ass. Also, easy for your ass to send it rocketing across the fucking room. So you want the bigger one so that when your sphincters close around the narrow part, that it's locked in place. That there's no amount of contraction uh, 
during orgasm or uh, bearing down as orgasm approaches, that's going to dislodge that butt plug that you will have to use your hands to yank it out when you're done. So the, that's – it's easy. The solution is really easy. And if you'd spoken to – you know, if you go to one of those uh, sex-positive, women-owned sex toy stores that we love so much, uh, Grand Opening, Good Vibration, Smitten Kitten, Babeland, if you'd just asked one of the clerks there, they would have warned you about the flying butt plug problem that plagues America. I hope to God that it's addressed during the presidential debates this year. Um, but it's pretty easily solved. Go get your ass a bigger butt plug and you will be fine. It'll be a little bit more work uh, to get it in. There will be this moment of oof as it slides into place and your ass basically sucks it up. But once it's there, it ain't coming out until you yank it out. No more flying butt plugs. Hi, Dan. I am a 35-year-old straight woman and this isn't really a question. It's more of a PSA to all of the young men out there um, who think that we want you to send us a picture of your dong. We don't. doesn't turn us on. It uh, doesn't make us hot. Um, I'd rather see a picture of your face or another body part, not your dick. No thank you. I'm of two minds on this whole don't send a picture of your dick issue. It's come up before. Uh, women say it never works. And I think it's true that it probably doesn't work on most women. But on the women that it does work on, it works like crazy. And the guys who send the dick pics are sifting through all the women out there in search of that woman, the woman on who it works. So the woman it sends screaming is a woman that he didn't want anyway. He's looking for the cockhound and a good way to tell you know, a, a woman – who isn't a cockhound from a woman who is a cockhound is to send her a picture of your cock and see if she reacts like a uh, bitch in heat, right? That said, you know, most women I think are like you. The overwhelming majority of women are like you. So if guys out there, if you can hear the sound of my voice, if you're sending out dick pics and you're not in search of a cockhound, just a girlfriend, you're doing it wrong. You should send pictures, like the lady said, of other stuff. Most people, even most gay people, think dicks are kind of squirrely looking. They kind of look like boiled prairie dogs. And what makes a dick pretty is – or attractive is kind of what it's attached to. You know, you can have the most beautiful dick in the world and if it's attached to Bill O'Reilly, it's icky. If it's attached to James McElroy or Chris Evans, the same dick, it can be the exact same dick that a minute ago was attached to Bill O'Reilly. You attach it to Chris Evans or James McElroy and then you attach them to each other and it's suddenly a beautiful dick. So give her the context. Context matters when it comes to finding dick attractive. Send her a picture of your shoulders, your tits, your arms, your face and then she will – if she thinks the rest of that is attractive, she will want to see your dick. If your dick is your best feature, then you can lead with the dick and hope you got a cockhound on the line. Otherwise, like the lady says, if you're after a girlfriend, not a cockhound, send some pictures of other stuff and they will soon want to see your dick in good time. Find the tools to indulge your fantasies at ExtremeRestraints.com. Whether you want your wife to plow your ass with a three-inch wide strap-on dildo while your cock is locked in a steel chastity cage, or you want to spend an indulgent evening of self-pleasure with an eight-speed wand massager and an array of attachments, ExtremeRestraints.com has the toys for you. 
Save an extra 10% on giant dildos, wand massagers, steel cock toys, fucking machines, and everything else at ExtremeRestraints.com when you use the coupon code June. Double that discount, 20% off, if you use the June code by Sunday. Hi, Dan. I'm a straight male in my 40s calling from Los Angeles. I'm calling about the term teabagging or teabagger. Um, in a Facebook post thread about Occupy Wall Street, I referred to the Tea Party as teabaggers and was then uh, confronted by someone saying that I was just using this as a chance to t- make a dig at homosexuals because teabagging, you use the negative term as in refer- reference to the Tea Party, is a dig on homosexuals. I said it is not. It is a reference to the Tea Party first calling themselves that till, until they found out what the term meant in the modern context. I maintain that this is a not a dig on homosexuals because teabagging is not an exclusively homosexual act. In addition, teabag or teabagger in this context, referring to the Tea Party, is, some, uh, is a term that I would not be afraid to use in front of any of my friends or family members who happen to be gays or lesbians. I would be not be ashamed to use this. So my question is, is teabagging used in this term to refer to the Tea Party as a dig on their sometimes backward thinking and out of touch with the modern worldness? Is this a dig on homosexuals? Not. That's all I have to say. Um, yeah, obviously not. Uh, teabagging, dipping your balls into someone's mouth. You just need a mouth. You can teabag a goat. It's not necessarily a gay-specific sex act any more than Santorum is a gay-specific sexual byproduct. Uh, any more than Santorum is a gay-specific frothy mix of lube and fecal matter that is sometimes the byproduct of anal sex byproduct. Uh, anybody can whip up a little Santorum, gay or straight or bi. Anybody can teabag gay or straight or bi. They ain't nothing homophobic about calling a teabagger a teabagger. Uh, hi, Dan. I'm a 16-year-old lesbian, and I'm having some problems. Um, there's a boy that I know. He's kind of my dyke mark. We're really close, um, and he knows I'm a lesbian. And he's never made a move on me before. Until this past week, when he went into the hospital and got diagnosed with something or other, and got put on a lot of painkillers, and now he's texting me every day with these really weird text messages that are like, my girlfriend's coming back into town, and she's really into you, and we should have a threesome, and can I like eat your pussy, and will you take your shirt off for me? And I don't know, it's really weird. And... At first, I thought it was kind of just the painkillers talking, so I kind of humored him while saying, just like, no, I'm not so into that, um, no, no, in that really knowingly passive womanly way that I'm kind of, I'm angry at myself for doing, because turns out some of the times he's not really on his pain meds, so he's not joking, and he really does want in my pants, and he's coming back to school next week, and I don't exactly know how to act towards him, because I... I'm really awkward around this because I think he thinks that he can get in my pants because I've been so passive about this and now I'm just like I don't want you in my pants how do I say that? I don't know I just need you to tell me to like pussy up and and just tell this dyke like of mine that he's not getting into my lesbian pants 
Ovary up, girl. You know what you're doing wrong. He's acting in a very sexually aggressive way and you're being cliche girl socialized to not offend men even at those moments when men are behaving in a terribly offensive way uh, to you. And so you like, oh, haha, funny. No, I'm not really that interested. No. You need to say, knock this shit the fuck off. You are pissing me off. This is not okay. I'm a lesbian. You have to respect me, respect my sexual identity. I don't want to suck your dick. I don't want you to eat my pussy. And I don't want to have a fucking three-way with your girlfriend. Stop it or our friendship is over. The end. You can put all that in a text message. One other thought. I know of cases where folks were getting strings of sexually aggressive and suggestive text messages from really good friends and then it turned out that their phone had been stolen, their phone had been hacked, uh, that, a, that a friend got a hold of their phone and was sending dirty text messages to everyone uh, that they knew, everybody on their contact list, maybe a mutual friend who knows you, knows that you two have a relationship but knows you're a lesbian. Uh, and so that could possibly be what's going on here. Although most likely not if this has continued for days and days and days, if not weeks. It probably isn't a prank. Uh, but maybe. Maybe he lost his fucking phone. When's the last time you saw him in person? When's the last time you talked to him? Uh, so blow up at him. Send him a text message. Blow up at him. When you see him at school, don't be shy. When you see him at school, don't act like you've done something wrong by attracting this inappropriate attention from him, that him hitting on you in this way is something that you should feel ashamed about, that you have to hang your head or you have to avoid eye contact or skitter away when you see him coming. You march the fuck up to him and you say, what the fuck was that about? You pissed me the fuck off. Don't fucking do that. Ovary up. You know what you need to do. You know it. You need to pussy up, like you said, or ovary up, like I like to say, uh, and slap him down. Slap him down. And this is a good thing for you to do at this stage of life uh, because this is a skill that you as a woman in our society, in our culture, are going to need to get you through the decades ahead. This is not the only man that you're ever going to encounter who's going to behave this way to you. And he needs to know. He needs to learn. And better that he learn it now not to treat people like this, not to treat women like this. So slap him down. Think of the women coming later that you will have done a favor, the other women that he's going to meet uh, along the course of his life, that he will not treat this way if you slap him down for it right the fuck now. Hi, Dan. This is a straight 16-year-old female calling. Um, just inquiring about your recent claims that marriages are make-believe. This worries me a little bit or surprises me, I should say. You know, I, I feel like I have fairly realistic expectations. I don't buy into romantic comedies or any of that stuff, but uh, with this, you're you're breaking my heart a little bit. I know you're happily married, and uh, I mean, I want to get married someday, but I'm just wondering what makes you say that marriages are make-believe. If love is real, then why are marriages make-believe? I want to apologize in advance to everyone for what I'm about to do. I am about to read a string of tweets that I sent out on my Twitter account at FakeDanSavage uh, because that's what this girl, what the caller is, is referring to. Uh, sometime last week, I, re I tweeted out to 50 shaders, meaning 50 shades of gray, uh, readers and people who are throwing shade on it. BDSM is cops and robbers for grownups with your pants off plus orgasms. People do it for fun. It is not a cry for help. Uh, because there's some criticism sloshing around about the book that the character who's kinky is portrayed as this 
psychologically damaged man who needs this woman to heal him and then he won't be kinky anymore. So after I sent that tweet out, I sent out this one. Some BDSMers take BDSM very, very seriously, of course, and strive to make it as real as possible, but it's still make-believe. And then I sent out this tweet. A marriage, for that matter, is only as real as the two people in it decide to make it. All human relationships are basically make-believe. I'm not saying that love ain't real, that marriage ain't real, but if the two people who are married to each other don't believe, uh, they don't honor their commitment, if they don't live up to the promises that they've made each other, if they don't work to maintain that bond and those, those feelings of affection, it goes away. Marriage is a decision. It's a choice that people make. Almost, and it's a choice they don't make just once. They make it many, many, many times, hundreds of times, uh, maybe even thousands of times over the course of a four, five, six decade marriage to continue to believe in it. You know, a marriage is greater than the sum of its parts. A marriage is kind of Tinkerbell and you got to clap. You got to believe. Um, Terry and I are married because we believe that we are, because we treat each other like we are, uh, because we know ourselves to be. It's still a concept. It's, it's still an idea of who we are and what we are to each other. And in that way, a marriage, even a successful one, a loving one, in that way a marriage is a kind of make-believe. Hey, Dan. So I'm 25, uh, straight. Been around the block a bit. You know, I've been a handful of relationships, but obviously I'm pretty young. But um, I've been in love with the same person, uh, unreciprocated, for months and months now. Um, I've gotten all the feedback I need to hear that it really isn't going to happen. Um, it was it was reciprocated for maybe a week and a half time. Uh, and and I've dated since then, and, uh, you know, it, it just hasn't gotten any better. I, I can't really date. I, everyone just seems not good enough. And, and while it, I suppose several months is relatively a short time, I, it's really starting to feel bleakly like it's just not going to get any better. So uh, thoughts on how to be productive and, and, and uh, effective in um, trying to push myself through this um, without wallowing uh, would be uh, greatly appreciated. Go ahead and wallow. Have a good wallow. Uh, the thing about feelings is that sometimes you need to feel your feelings and you can't avoid feeling your feelings and the only way for the feelings to go away is to feel the fucking shit out of them and a wallow can help you feel the fucking shit out of those feelings. Uh, I know what it is to have your heart broken and to carry a torch for someone and feel like you're never going to get over that person. I carried a torch for someone for two years in college. I was devastated uh, and I couldn't date any other people and I sometimes would go out on dates or hook up with a guy and I would just feel really demoralized after because that guy wasn't who I wanted to be with and the person I wanted to be with didn't want to be with me and couldn't be with me. And just the passage of time wore those feelings away. And it took two fucking years. So that you're three months into this, don't feel like this is some sort of aberrant experience that, that you're going through. People have carried torches for years and I'm one of them. So that you're still three months into having your heart broken, moping around and not feeling totally in the game yet and not over that girl, that is not unusual. Uh, so whine to your friends until they won't listen to you anymore and then stop whining to them. Go out. Force yourself to go on dates. Talk to other girls. Let some time pass. 
stay the fuck away from her Facebook page. Don't follow her on Twitter. Don't do all these modern things that keep the wound open and salted. Thank God fucking Facebook didn't exist when Tommy broke my heart or I would have – that two years might have been ten. All right? Stay the fuck away from her social media shit wherever it is. And let time do what time does. You know, it is a cliche because it's true. Time heals all wounds. That doesn't mean that there won't be scars that you kind of carry with you all your life. And one day you'll be with somebody else and one day you'll look back and think, I'm with the person that I needed to be with, that I want to be with. Uh, and that was a good learning experience and I still have affection in my heart for that person. I kind of loved Tommy all my life. I still love Tommy. He passed away a few years ago. I still have tremendous affection and feeling for Tommy and grief. Uh, at his death, but I'm with who I need to be with, and uh, I'm not going to say any like woohoo shit about the person I'm destined to be with. There is no one; there are lots of possible ones out there. Uh, but I'm happy to be with who I'm with now, uh, and one day you'll feel the same way. One day in the future, sure, 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 just give it time, 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 and you'll be fine. But right now, yeah, it sucks. It hurts. Feel the fucking shit out of those feelings. Have some ice cream. Go for a walk. Hi, Dan, a 22-year-old bisexual girl here. I am falling for my best friend severely. Uh, we've been best friends for about three years, and every time we hang out, we hold hands, we kiss, we have sex, we act just like a couple. And it's a recent development. It's happened in the past couple months. I want to ask him out. I want us to be a couple, be official um, I'm totally down for a monogamous or monogamish. Either way, we're both very open sexually, so I feel like we really compliment each other and I want to date him, but I don't know if he has quite as deep feelings for me as I do him. And the other problem is that my parents, they only think that we're friends, have a very poor opinion of him because he's a recovering alcoholic. Um, he went to rehab in October. He's doing really well, and I'm really proud of him for doing well. They don't like me seeing him or talking to him. They think he's a bad person for no reason, and they think that he's that bad things happen to me when I'm around him because he accidentally hit my car one time while we were driving and caused an accident. Um, just any advice you could give me as to how to talk to my parents about this and also how can I should I just ask them out you know what should I do so you're fucking this guy but you're afraid to ask him a question you feel close enough to him and comfortable enough with him to take your clothes off to suck his dick to have him eat your pussy to let him put his dick inside your vagina and slam it back and forth until he ejaculates hopefully into a condom but you can't open your mouth and say what it is you want or what it is you hope for. That's fucked up. It's fucked up when you're comfortable enough with somebody to fuck them but not comfortable enough with somebody to talk to them about what you want. And the reason people do this – and people do this all the time. I'm not trying to beat up on you. Is that you're afraid of the answer. You're afraid that if you ask if he wants a relationship that he's going to say no because then you won't even get the fucking anymore. But do you want the fucking without the relationship? Do you want to keep fucking this person if he doesn't want what you want? Are you willing to settle for just sex with him? I think not. Usually when you're attracted to someone in the way that you're attracted to him, you want a relationship. You want something more 
serious. You want something more intimate. You want a stronger connection than just dick and vagina until ejaculation, hopefully into a condom. You don't want to keep fucking that person if they don't want what you want. You don't want to keep fucking that person if they don't reciprocate the, the feelings that you have for them because you're going to get hurt and hurt badly the longer the fucking goes on without any sort of commitment or connection or growing intimacy or boyfriend, girlfriend or Facebook official status or whatever. The longer you fuck him in silent hope that he may share feelings for you that you have for him, the harder and more painful the fall when – you finally screw up the courage to ask him how he feels and what he wants. Don't set yourself up for that kind of pain and drama. You're already fucking him. So all you need to do now is say to him, I really like you and we're fucking and I'd like to have a relationship. Uh, if not now, uh, then soon-ish. Uh, for me, this is moving toward intimacy and connection and real affection and the dreaded L word that I won't say out loud right now. Where are you? And if he says, I don't want any of that shit, stop fucking him. Stop fucking him because you're just going to get hurt and hurt badly when he stops fucking you. Because what he'll do if you keep fucking him – and this isn't about gender. This isn't about you being the woman. This, I've given this exact same advice to two dudes and to two women. If you keep fucking him in hopes that he'll change his mind, when he doesn't and he won't – you will – on top of the pain of the breakup and the loss, you will feel more a fool. You will have been taken advantage of, not by him, by yourself. Don't do that to yourself. You're fucking him. Oh my god, you're fucking him. If I pointed out that you're fucking him, you're fucking him. You should be able to talk to the people that you're fucking about how you're feeling. You want to roll those conversations out with some aplomb because you don't want to send people – running by having a premature conversation about commitment. You know, a premature commitment is a, is a bad sign. But you can at least have a conversation about the feelings that you do have now and where you'd like to be in six months or a year if things continue. See where he's at. And if he doesn't want what you want, stop fucking him. Hey, Mr. S. Uh, I am a 65-year-old gay guy. And now I find myself seeking advice and maybe one of those permission slips you say you hand out. Um, so, uh, long story short, I grew up in the Bible Belt with a very negative Christian family, and it took me a long struggle to come out. And now I'm 65, and I find that I'm having flashbacks to some ex-gay stuff, and I've got uh, metastasized prostate cancer, and I'm on hormone treatments, which block your testosterone, so... Uh, I don't know if it's really worth trying to put together some kind of a sex and dating life or what. Uh, and I go back and forth on it all the time, whether it's too much work or whether it's, uh, you know, a goal. I've really had to fight and scrap to uh, get my body and my sex life back from a negative uh, church belief system. And uh, I guess I'm just wondering if you think for a guy my age, what the most realistic thing um, options might be, um, given that I've got this really creepy hormone treatment going on, and I think just horn dog I didn't go out into a typical gay cruising scene like I might have when I was younger or whatever. And because of the flashback stuff, probably not. Uh, well, I, I'm I'm not at my best 
looking years either. So uh, I'm sort of wondering uh, all about that. Instead of thinking about getting back into the sex and dating scene, heading out to those bars and cruising environments that you've aged out of uh, and are going to feel perhaps uncomfortable in, why not lead with your strengths? Why not lead with what you have to offer? Why not just reconceptualize what it is you're after? Maybe what you're after isn't sex and dating. Maybe what you're after at this stage of life and with the medical issues that you face, companionship and intimacy. And that may involve sex. There may be a sexual dimension to that. But maybe you should deprioritize sex and look around for humans and human connections with guys who may have also aged out of that cruising scene and feel uncomfortable in that cruising scene, who may have issues of their own that make them feel uh, in some ways incapacitated or limited when it comes to sex and dating. And I would encourage you to take out personal ads, to get online. Uh, doesn't sound like you live in a part of the country where there are many gay bars to go to anyway. Uh, there are other guys out there your age, uh, close to your age, within you know 20 years, either side of your age, who may be in the same position that you're in and may be looking for the same sorts of things that you're looking for. And you can come together with those guys or one of those guys and build a beautiful thing and have a beautiful relationship. Uh, but be honest about who you are and be honest about what you're going through and be open to dating someone, to offering companionship and intimacy to someone who has issues of their own, who's struggling as well. And you can't find someone. You can. Good luck. Hi, Dan. I'm calling in response to the woman in episode 294 who couldn't come during sex. I think there's lots of technical reasons why it can be hard for women to come that have to do with personal likes and physiology. And I think you do a really good job, Dan, at informing people about it. And you did a good job talking to her about going for your pleasure and all that. But one thing I've noticed in your otherwise amazing podcast is that you don't really talk much about how women may need to fantasize in order to come. And when I was a young lover, I would kind of lie there and think, oh, this is exciting, right? I want to come while my partner performed oral sex or manual sex on me, and I would get nowhere. And at the time, my really douchey partner would get mad at me, like, oh, there's something wrong with you that you're not coming. And I thought there was something wrong with me. It wasn't until I started fantasizing during the time I was trying to come that I actually started being able to come during oral sex or manual sex or by myself. And I just have to run a porn movie in my head or I can't get off. And that's now, you know, I'm much older now and whether that's by myself or with a partner. I can get close, like I think the caller was saying, but nothing happens. I can't get over the edge without that fantasy boost. Hi, Dan. I just listened to episode 294 uh, about the girl with the uh, friend who has recently found out that he was HIV positive. I just want to say thank you. Your advice to her was incredibly thoughtful, but I just wanted to add one more thing. Instead of being upset at her friend for behaving in a way that would get him uh, infected, she might want to consider the fact that he might have been depressed. Um, I can only speak for myself, and I know that when um, I seroconverted, um, it was a bad time for me. I was depressed. And in a way, it was a sort of tacit suicide. So, you know, a little bit of help and a little bit of understanding and a little less judgment goes a long way. And just be there for your friend. It makes all the difference in the world. Hi, this is a comment on episode 294, the guy who called about his gay friend wanting to get lessons on cunnilingus on a mango. Um, an alternate theory is that this gay man could be into trans gay men 
who may still have a vagina, and uh, if it ever went down there, he'd need a little bit of help in figuring out that new land. I've found myself on several occasions uh, attracted to men with vaginas. It happens. And maybe you'll need a little bit of uh, support. And we're going to end with another down note, unfortunately, uh, in the podcast today. I want to extend my condolences to the family and friends of Matt of Kink Engineering in Toronto, Canada. Uh, He founded this company, Kink Engineering, with his partner, uh, to whom I'm also extending my condolences, selling uh, high-quality bondage gear, latex bondage gear. Matt passed away, unfortunately, uh, in a solo bondage session. Solo bondage is dangerous. Uh, People shouldn't do it. Um, Matt had actually written things recommending against people doing it. This just goes to show you that however – skilled or knowledgeable you are about kink or about bondage, you can't anticipate every danger or potential negative outcome. Uh, Bondage is not a solo activity and you should never leave someone who's tied up alone. Again, my condolences to uh, Matt's friends and family at this time. And we're going to leave it there. 206-201-2720 is the number here at the podcast. If you'd like to record a question or comment for a future show, give us a buzz. Please follow me on Twitter at FakeDanSavage. You can also leave comments on every podcast at TheStranger.com slash Lovecast. Read my column at TheStranger.com slash Savage. And join us tomorrow night at the Neptune Theater in Seattle, Washington. Me, Tech Savvy at Risk Youth, Garfunkel Notes for a live taping of the Savage Lovecast. Me and the text of the at risk youth will be back at you next week with another installment of the Savage Lovecast. Thanks for downloading. Oh, oof. <laughs> <laughs>